Serra. Serrano. Serrano. I'm not even bothered. Very good. Serrano. No, Serrano. 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 Ginter. Yeah, no. Ginter. It's as flat as it looks. It is so flat. So, so, do you have to hit the record button? Oh, I did that like a minute ago. Oh, okay. So we were long since been laughing. Yeah, we're we're on so, air. We're so, gonna start with everyone learning to pronounce Serrano. 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 That's our that's our thing. Glad we're trying. Um, <laughs> so we're in the greatest country in the history of the world. Yes. Right oh, now, yeah, yeah. and when I say we, like I mean we, like, like collectively all collectively three of us. we. Because I was gonna say you live you live here. Yeah. So. <laughs> collectively we. <laughs> Um, all right, so let me set the stage for our dear listeners here. Welcome to episode 49. This is... 49. Um, well, 49. This why is, 49? Well, because we couldn't hit 50, that's why. <laughs> a great time to do a live episode. I'm sorry. Um, Keep going. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> it, it works out okay. It works out okay. So 49... But if, if we had waited for 50, it would have been so predictable. It would have been predictable. <laughs> yeah, no. We, we don't want to do that. We're not predictable or regular or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, we're regular, but not regular like that. Yeah, well, yeah it depends on what you've had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to have another Mates out. <laughs> 30 seconds in and we've hit toilet humor. Excellent. So for the first time ever, um, we are in the same physical location. We're doing an episode live in an Airbnb in lovely Toronto, where I have convinced the co-hosts to move um, permanently. <laughs> of um, course. This is just an exploratory trip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We uh, send in the expeditionists, right? And we'll, we'll create a colony here. You start small. That's how. That's how I brought all my luggage. I don't need to go back. See, there we go. <laughs> I can just stay. And uh, so the, I guess on like as of today, you Alvaro are leaving tomorrow, which yeah, sucks, unfortunately. Josh, you just got here, mm-hmm. so this was the Great first timing. day. Um, let's do. Uh, we got to do first impressions of the city. We oh boy. Hear. Oh boy. I thought you were going to say first impressions of each other because I was just going to oh, jump gonna hard on We're going to get to that. We're warming up. We're warming up. Roast like, the city first, then. <laughs> yeah, so I was very impressed because it was very different from what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be, you know, big city like most big cities. But this is a lot of personality and I really like it. It's, yeah. I think what I like the most about it is how, how much it changes from one area to the next. Like the, the area where we're staying, it's fairly west of the city. Yep. It's just south of Queen Street. And it's a very beautiful part of the city, but you know, lower buildings, there aren't there aren't many tall structures around. So you can just it's almost like you're in a smaller place and it yep. feels more relaxed. It feels more more fun, really. Yeah. And especially the people are so colorful. I mean, really, you 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 meet all sorts of people on the streets, and I just love that. If you if you're into street photography, I don't think you can find a better place. I used to think New York was the best city in the world for street photography, and there's a character guess, to New I York. Guess it, that, yeah. yeah, I guess it might be, but this is really, really at that level. Yeah, we love our city, Josh. Yeah, what he said. No, but no, really <laughs> though. Like, so we get we get we take the the what's it called? I don't know if it's the UP Express, but that sounds really bad. So I'll just say the Union Pearson Express. So anyway, we take that from the airport. And we we hop off the train, and when we get off the train, the first thing that Jack and I do go like, wow, like you look up and it, like it feels like New York, but there's not this constant like you know like massive honk, like honking all the time, and people aren't swearing at each other and giving each other the finger. No, no, this is Canada. Like we're a little nicer than that, so it's quieter, calmer, more you know more kind. 
And it's like, okay, so like you take the best parts of New York, the tall buildings, the you know the cool streets, and then the best parts of Canada, and you combine them, and I, I don't see a reason now to go to New York anymore, except maybe to watch some Broadway shows. Toronto could use some Broadway. Yeah, we don't we don't quite have enough Broadway. Okay, now we can roast each other. First impressions. <laughs> this is this is fine. That was fun. all right. You start. Oh, I start. Okay, um, I had the really crazy experience of like, so. I picked you up from the airport first, Alvaro. You did. And I was waiting by the dinosaur um, in, in Pearson by the international arrivals. There's a dinosaur. Anyway, th- so I'm standing there by the dinosaur and Alvaro walks out with Jessica, who is now a friend of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's the one taking some behind the scenes photos. We'll link in the show notes. Um, so he walks out and he looks exactly like I have been picturing in my mind for the past two years, which was helpful because I was like, should I ask him what color he's wearing? Should I like give myself some assistance? Didn't need to. And mostly it was because of the hat. <laughs> of course. <laughs> which is which is just like a classic part of the outfit. So yeah, that was, that was great. And uh, Josh, we had a funny encounter with because you were on the opposite side of the street and we were staring and looking for each other and you were like, Please find me. <laughs> like looking right find, at you. Find my friends has never been more aptly named. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, isn't that funny that I, like for the first time, this trip was me sharing my location with a bunch of other people, like using that share for 24 hours option, which I've never... Works good. It's great. Works it's really, really good. Apple knows what they're doing. Anyway, that's me. Works well. Yeah. I'll just take over here. Okay, so so as you said... We all know like what Alvaro looks like. We just we just knew. But m- the only impression I had of the whole group was that like Marius is really tall, guys. Right. Like he really, really is. tall. He really is. Like so, I'm standing across the street and I'm thinking, okay, like I expect Alvaro. Like I know that Alvaro's a shorter guy. He had mentioned that. You know, he had said that to us in the in the past. And but there's Marius, and he's like at least a foot and a half taller. Well, maybe two feet if we wanted to exaggerate a little bit. It's not actually that much. But in reality, I, I it's like argue. whoa. So we're walking down the street and and here's Marius leading the pack and like just because he's got the longest stride by like at least seven or eight <laughs> inches, it. you know? He, yeah, he's he like, everybody, really let's catch up here. Let's go. So anyhow, no, no, it, there's no bad impressions around here. Just Marius is tall. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't play basketball. Did you play basketball? I actually did um, try for a little while and then I realized I didn't enjoy it. So I stopped. Right. I guess that's the logical conclusion. It's good a reason that's any to stop. I hated it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we have another person around here, though. Yeah, we totally do. So uh, everyone should remember friend of the show, although we're, we're thinking of upgrading his yeah. name, but friend of the show for now, Thomas Wong is sitting beside me, slightly less cozy than the last time we were doing this <laughs> at my place. We're, and with uh, witnesses. And with witnesses. So <laughs> it's very PG-13 this time around. A little upset, but, you know, here we are. Thomas, say hello. Hello, everybody. And in between uh, the talking, I'll be taking uh, electronic shutter shots of people so that we have some nice candid portraiture. Is that a threat? Silent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> candid portraiture. Yeah. And I have, what, six six cameras on the table to choose from? One, two, Sony. Five. Five cameras. Five cameras and I could add 15 mine. lenses. Yeah, I could add seven. mine. I actually have two here that I could add, so we could make it seven, but we don't need seven. So one of the cool things that we've been doing with the fact that, you know, we've each brought different camera systems is that we've been kind of passing them around and each person has had an opportunity to try out systems that they're not familiar with, that they're switching to in the near future, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
So we've got, uh, let's do an inventory here. We've got two Sony A7Ts. We've got an X-Pro2. We've got an X-T2. Uh, we have an Olympus OMD EM1 Mark II, and we have a Canon EOS 3, which is kind of the uh, the outlier in the sense that it's the only film camera, but that's the one that I spent today with, and uh, I, I guess we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, we've been we've been exploring because, of course, my goal is to get everyone to switch away from Sony. Um, <laughs> and more specifically, what too. more specifically what towards Fuji, right? Yeah. Um, no, but really, I just I like it when people actually enjoy their cameras, and we've been hearing some complaints on that front. So. Uh, yeah, you guys have now shot, you guys have now spent a little bit of time with Thomas and my Fujis, and uh, I feel like you're you're starting to kind of get the the appeal at least, because it makes a difference oh, yeah. when you hold it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. It, it, I used to think that it was a case of, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, that you always lost after the gear that you don't own. I think there's more to it. I think Fuji cameras are just better designed, period. They fit the way that I understand photography a lot better than Sony's. Uh, unfortunately, I happen to find myself in a position where switching is not really an option because it would involve quite the expense and and the hassle of having to sell all of my gear. And I'm just not quite there yet. But I will say that having shot with both the X-T2 and the X-Pro2 over the past few days, I am really impressed. They are as fun and as intuitive to shoot with as I hope they would be even more in some cases. Like the Expert 2 is just the most fun camera I've ever shot with, period. And Wow, those are big yeah, words. It is. Those are fun, fighting words right fun there. Fun is the word that I would use to describe <laughs> that camera. It, it really is that enjoyable to shoot. And, and the lenses are great and everything is great. I mean, if not for you know the difference between full frame APS-C, which is a debate that we can have some other time. It's, it's not, that's not the conversation we want to have today. I still think overall the Fuji system is probably the one to get right now unless you, you because your work needs the technical, uh, I don't want to say superiority because it's not, it's not that clear cut, but the technical edge that the full frame can give you, unless you know that you need it for sure, I think Fuji is the system to get right now. I think that the big interesting question that I'm trying to get to the bottom of now is where do you draw the line between whether it's something, like you just said, is it the matter of the grass being greener on the other side? And how do you know when it's gas and when you're actually looking at something and being like, oh, wait, this is a better solution for my needs? Because like setting aside the technical stuff, like there is that aspect of, of how fun is it to shoot and how, Absolutely. especially because in our case, um, we're not like, no one at this table is looking at it primarily as like the main income source tool, right? Right. And so from that perspective, it's like, is there other stuff that needs to be considered more heavily? Because um, for instance, I'm now always talking about how pleasant it is to use the camera and how uh, willing I am to take it out with me, right? And I think that that's the, the, the big failure of camera stores and things like that. And we've talked about it, how they're, they're always trying to sell you like a DSLR or something like that without trying to figure out if that's actually what's fitting your needs. So now you guys have like technically excellent equipment. The Sony a7 II is a stunning camera. I have now shot with it. Um, and but, you now love it. And I don't, but, but, it is, <laughs> but it is a technically impressive camera. Like there's no, I can't fault it on, on any level like that. But, you know, now having seen this, are you, 
are these other factors important enough to change that decision? Are you worried that it is just sort of like grass is greener? Like, how, I, where, I, where's that line? From? I know it's not a matter of grass is greener on the other side. Now that I've shot with them, yeah, uh, I know it's not, and I just happen to find myself in a in a bit of a difficult position because when I had to make my choice, my requirements were different. Yeah, there was a real possibility that photography would end up being major contributor to my income. So I had to plan for that for that situation. Like I had to take that into account. And taking that into account, going with a full frame system seemed like the better choice at the time. Yeah. It's at least the most future-proof choice and I still believe that to be the case. Uh, however, now my life has switched in a different direction. I'm not doing so much photography as I used to, and I'm not doing it professionally anymore, as in I'm not taking client work. Yeah. Uh, and that changes my requirements, of course. How could it not? And that means the Sony system right now is a total overkill for my needs. I am well aware of that. But like I said, You're I'm invested. at a point where the bulk of the investment is already done. So it would be almost more trouble to switch to a, air quotes, worse technically speaking, system, yeah. you know what I mean? I just don't think it's worth it because my requirements may change again in the future. That's also a possibility. So I think at this point, the, the most pragmatic choice is to just uh, put. hold on to it, just stick with what I have. I have excellent gear, you said it. The a7 II is a great camera. The lenses I own are fantastic. I have, there's nothing I can't shoot with the equipment that I have right now. So it is a bit a matter of the grass is always greener on the other side, but at the same time, I recognize that if I were buying new today, if I were starting from scratch, the Fuji would be the natural fit for my actual needs right now. Yeah, and I think that's reasonable. And even even the fact that you you have that restraint is admirable because right. a lot of people don't, and they um, they they're willing <laughs> Josh. to <clears throat> they're willing to switch. Um, no, but thrown under the bus here. <laughs> Jeez. No, but Josh is in a different. Josh is in a very different place, and for him, this is a, a more topical. Seriously, discussion. though, like, let's put that on halt here for a second. I don't think I've actually said anything about that on the show yet. Hey, I don't think I've said that to anybody yet. About what? So, like, like you know, shooting requirements and like topical, oh. like think you know, like things that, that like the the people that you shoot. Like you know, my list is growing. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> That kind of changes things a little bit. I hope that I hope that my wife is okay with me telling people on the show about that. But she's not throwing. She's giving you the green light. She's giving you the green light. We're okay. We'll take that as a yes. <laughs> so so yeah, like I my my um, my subject matter will be changing from products to babies very soon. So um, <laughs> or baby rather, babies would be a handful. Baby is where we're where we're at. So yeah, at the beginning of December, things change for us a little bit. And so therefore, like I look at my whole, you know, my whole arsenal and I go, what's the best foot forward? And uh, I don't know. I, I definitely need to make a change to what my current require, like what I currently have. So I, I've got some nieces and nephews and I've done some, you know, toddler, child shooting in the past, photography shooting in the past. And um, it was a nightmare using lenses that, like a zoom lens is, Far. I would have loved to have a zoom lens, what I'm trying to say, for the little bit of work that I did. It wasn't, you know, extensive work, uh, but it. I could have definitely needed, uh, I could have definitely used a different 
set of lenses. So I'm looking at all that. I'm thinking, what's my best foot forward? And so that's why I'm considering the whole switcheroo. But I don't know. This trip has done nothing but like befuddle me even further. I, I expected clarity and now all I've got is like clear as mud. That's all I've got. So yeah, I mean, that's the problem of of being spoiled with a whole bunch of excellent Options. choices. But in your case, there's also the factor of you've you've told us many times recently that you are not taking your camera out to shoot. You don't really feel inspired by it. And no. that to me is identified as a as a problem. And I do like I'm willing to blame the camera for that because it's not like it's a lack of skill. It's not like it's a lack of Ooh, that's opportunity. A <laughs> no, but what I'm, you know, it is a compliment. Like you, you have the skill, you have everything there, but your camera, like the, the tool is letting you down in the sense that it's not making you want to go out. So and, yeah, I would argue right now though, that the tool isn't the problem. It's the, it's the choice of tool. Like, so we're wandering around downtown Toronto today and I'm like, I've got the 55 millimeter lens and on, I attached and I've got a 25 millimeter lens. So 25 is too wide for what I'm trying to shoot because I'm trying to like get shots of buildings or or whatever. And you shoot a photo at 25 millimeters of the street and you get too much of the street, right? Of what you're trying to shoot. So what happens then is you naturally like turn the thing up in order to get maybe crop out some of that. Well, what happens now? Everything is totally skewed right. and it's, you know. So that's another reality is that the tools that I have, it's not like the Sony system doesn't meet what I could you know, it does, I just have to change. I got my tools need to change. Not that my current set of tools are bad. Is what I'm trying to get at. I mean, none of the tools are bad, right? I mean, I no. think that we're past no. that yeah. point in general. Except, you know, for when I turn on my camera and it takes 10 seconds to f- fire things up. There's been other stuff that's kind of gone on and, and I'd like to kind of dine, downsize a little bit and, and get, you know, when you look at it financially speaking, like you look at the camera system as an investment and then there's a return on the investment, whatever the client, whatever you're able to bill out. And so therefore, if I was able to sell a lot of stuff now and downsize and have a little extra cash in my pocket, that only returns a larger amount, right? Financially speaking. So there's also that on my mind too. And so it, it, it's a little bit of a, of a decision-making process and we'll, we'll, we've got a few months to go, but. Yeah, I mean, you came, you came to Toronto with the idea that you were basically going to use it as an opportunity to see the Fuji cameras because you didn't That really is exactly a, why I came to Toronto. The only reason I came to Toronto was too. to play with Fuji cameras. Me too. Which is totally reasonable. <laughs> I can't blame you, but. Nothing to but, do with the people that were here. But that was one part of it. And the other, the other part was like, do, you know, you wanted to buy the 24 to 70, a particular 24 to 70. And that was, that was kind of like your, your path of least resistance. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember when I was thinking about that, that was only like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> but that was your, that was like the, the simplest oh. thing because you keep the same system, right. you keep the same body. You're just adding the lens that fills the That guy the at Henry's were... wanted to sell that, didn't he? Or no, the story, the guy at whatever at, downtown, yeah, he, downtown. He, want, yeah. Yeah, well, he wanted to sell something for sure. He was, he was working hard. I feel bad. Yeah. Play he with the camera, nice shoot around with it, hand it back. See ya. I don't think he pushed it very hard on us. He was, no. he was respectful, That's which true. I appreciate, by the way. But speaking of restraint, I was impressed because you you refused to even handle the lens. To I worked very it. hard and then and then I did. Oh, right. No, the 24 to 70. That's you didn't right. touch I didn't that even one. Touch it. No, no, no. <laughs> Instead, you played with the A9, which I'm not probably sure was probably a stupider decision. Yeah, okay. hey, so speaking of that trip, that GFX, you were talking about this in the last episode about taking that to Romania. Like, you're crazy. I don't know. Why. Now that we've I, seen it all in person, <laughs> the GFX is like yeah. thanks, guys. That's, that's like carrying bricks, like not like a brick, but times two, and then like times three for the lenses. Right. Yeah. 
So what do I got in my ba- backpack? I got five bricks in my backpack, basically. I, yeah. I do not recommend it. <laughs> That's a massive camera. Holy, that is huge. Yeah, but I also, Anyhow, when I, we, had, we talked about this last week, but it was, what I was carrying was not a practical setup. Like that was, that was clearly just the, I was the victim of circumstance there. It's not what you would normally take with you as a GFX travel outfit, but yes, it was. Considering the size, I don't even know if I had been tempted. Even if it had landed in my pocket or in my hands, the way it had with you, I still probably would have left it at home. I do it for work. And I think that's the, that's the key differentiator. We're not, it, the GFX is not the camera that someone buys because they're going on vacation, right? No, no that's, not, not, that's, that's right. not how that's it right. works. Like there, that is the camera that you own because you are a professional photographer. And if you are on location somewhere, then you take it with you. That's, it's yeah. not like... No, that's fair. That's so fair. in that context, it's okay. But I was using it in a travel context, which I think is... <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> it's was, not, not one of the use cases that the designers have in mind. Those lenses were bigger than my forearms. <laughs> Significantly. Maybe my biceps. Because it's not even like... The, the 110 is is like your average 85 mil lens, but like twice as... It's just... And it's heavy. It's heavy. It's imposing. It's yeah. a very imposing system. So, so uh, to be... Entirely honest, of all of the temptation that has flown in here this week, the most temptations come from like two products mainly. One is Thomas's everyday backpack. But that for sure oh is God. like right at the top of the list of things that I'm now. And that's like the, the most affordable temptation out of yeah. all of these. <laughs> that's awesome. And the well, second one was going to be the Peak Design slide strap, which I. <laughs> Maurice has but a you blue see, one. Happiness is all about choosing the path of least resistance. That's true. That's <laughs> true. That's right. Start small. Start small. So as it turns out, maybe my pocketbook won't be hit so hard this week, and it's mostly thanks to Thomas because he kind of started it all off by directing my attention away from all the cameras and right. putting it then onto Then he opened his the bag and handed you the X-T2 and yeah. that's when things that started taking a turn for the worst. underhanded. <laughs> oh man. He softened you up first with the uh-huh. peak design, the bag yeah. stuff, and then it's yeah. like, well. That's right. Yeah. He also g- gave us a really cool opportunity to see it, um, see his parents' condo, which has got to be the most photogenic condo I've ever yeah. seen in my entire life. Wow. Yeah, wow. we need to just do a photo shoot for everything. Yeah, there. bring well, all seven cameras and just fire. A fire bunch away. of my own reviews are shot in that, in and around that condo. So yeah, it's. it's I don't blame you. Yep. I don't blame. I'd have a hard time ever leaving. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I had a quick question for you guys. Uh, so I mean, both of you are coming from full frame mirrorless, right? And the idea of full frame mirrorless at the beginning was, look, it's smaller. It's smaller than a DSLR. Full frame. It's not uh, really. But yeah, I mean, and we have a bunch of lenses on the table now. And we have a bunch of APS-C stuff and full frame stuff. And and there is a difference, right, in, in that size. Lens size, not so much body size, but definitely lens size. Is that one of the things that you've been feeling as a as kind of a call towards a different system? Like having something that, like, your, for example, your, uh, Alvaro, your smaller Ona bag. Right. which can fit just your A7 maybe and something else. If you had an APS-C, you could have a bit more and it would still... Actually, I, th- I don't think the difference would be as yeah. dramatic because I can get, I can fit the camera with one lens plus an extra lens. Mm. And even if I had an APS-C system, it would be still pretty much the same. Maybe I could sneak in an extra prime, like an extra small prime. But yeah, I don't think the difference would be dramatic. And if we're talking a bigger bag, then... That's not the problem. For me, the appeal of mirrorless was never about the size, by the way. Maybe at the beginning when I bought my Olympus EM10. But even then, it was more about the cost because it was an affordable camera and the lenses were affordable too, the ones that I got at the beginning. That was sort of my gateway drug into the photography world. 
as we know, as all three of us started with that system, actually. And, and it is a great system. And once you go a bit further in your journey in, in, into photography as a, as a passion, you realize size is a secondary factor. At least for me, it is. Like, I don't really care about the size of the camera. In fact, I prefer a bigger camera because it's usually more comfortable to, to handle. And, and this is something we've been asking mirrorless makers to take into account, is that just because you're a mirrorless maker, it doesn't mean you have to make the camera as small as possible. If you were to, say, design a body that is ergonomically comfortable, even if that means it's, it's a bigger body, well, you can use that extra space for all sorts of things. You can have a better stabilization, uh, stabilization system. You can have a bigger battery. You can have all sorts of things that up until now we haven't seen because manufacturers are perhaps a bit too concerned with keeping things small. And we need to go over that. We need to get over that. It's just... Well, I get that in the beginning when mirrorless technology was still struggling to compete on a, on a technical level with the DSLR guys. That was the card they had to play, so they played it very hard. And it was the right move. But now I think technology is mature enough that we need to start looking beyond that. And mirrorless is the future, not just because it's smaller. Mirrorless is the future because it's better. And it, it enables things that were impossible to do with DSLRs. And it unlocks features and, and a lot of potential that people can now explore without the burden of having to carry a, a DSLR system with them. So I think that's, that's how I look at it. It's not just about the size. Okay. It's funny you brought that SLR with you. And that, I did. I mean, overall, like, it's got to be the most comfortable camera on the table right now. Well, well the EM1 e Mark II is yeah. pretty darn By the way, we have an EM1 Mark II here. That, that's the only disappointing part, I think, about the whole table is the fact that perhaps the, the one that we started with is now the most expensive one here currently. <laughs> it is kind of bizarre that, that it's switched around that way. But also what we started with was the entry level in the family. Yeah, and that's right. And we, we got into it right as they were escalating things to the degree of being like, okay, no, we're, we're competing on a professional level now. Like the EM10, the, EM, the first EM1 was Olympus being like, okay, we... We don't just want to be the the consumer tiny body kind of thing. We want to we want to go beyond that. So this is like the the fully realized vision, and it's it's a very impressive camera. I've I've said before, like I, I do think that of the mirrorless bodies, it's definitely the most comfortable camera ergonomically for me. Like the just the the way the, there are a lot of controls on it, which can be overwhelming just looking at it. But in terms of the tactile feeling of, of holding the grip, the way that the pro lenses feel, especially, you know, all of the, the manual clutch focusing systems on them, the, uh, it, it's just, it's impressive. And the focus, like the, um, the fact that they've all got, um, you know, um, custom function buttons everywhere, things like that. It's, it's, you know, they've, they've come a long way and it's kind of nice to see that we made a good choice right from the beginning, effectively, because that's, you know, that's what I take away from it. Yeah. There's, there's rumor of an EM10 Mark III very shortly. Yeah, there? yeah, there It'd is. Be interesting to see what they kind of yeah throw up on there. I was gonna say um, regarding the EM1 Mark II, since you let me play with yours for a little bit, uh, it kind of brought back what I felt with the the A6000, and I feel like the mark of a really good grip on a camera is if you have a wrist strap on, you can kind of 
uh, with your last three fingers, just hold the camera idly and not feel like it's gonna fall out. And the X-T2 does not reach that. The X-Pro2 definitely does not reach that. But that, that, that indentation there in EM1 Mark II is amazing. You know, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You're just talking about it. I'm yeah. like, okay, I wonder if I could... No. Oh, but this is Thomas's camera, so I should probably not do that. Yeah, don't. Drop it, <laughs> smash it on the concrete floor. Just wear the wrist strap first. <laughs> yeah. So, but you're right. You're right. Like, this is the poorest grip on the table currently. I, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, but... Uh, and well, no, not the worst because I think the X Pro Two is probably the difference is the X Pro Two has a very different approach to the back, um, right. like where your thumb goes. So it, it provides a, a different kind of grip, right. but there's nothing on the front. Right, like it's yeah. ju you're just squeezing. Yeah, I gotta say, I personally find the ergonomics of the A7 II to be great. I have zero complaints on that department. I, I my biggest complaint is that the operation of the camera feels more sluggish than it should be. Like performance wise, it's not up there with what we expect from a camera in 2017. It's because um, it was made in 2015. That's true. Absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> Seriously, how old is that? Oh, Sony is so fast. Sony is so fast. We haven't seen a casual It's true, and camera. I, I do expect them to reverse that situation with A7 III, which should be coming probably tomorrow by that time. <laughs> this time so. It's true. so anyway, I just, just to go on the record, I find the A7 II to be an ergonomically pleasing camera. So the grip is nice. The grip is pretty good, and I think that with the A9, they've kind of found the the best um, size to match the grip because it's just that little bit more substantial yeah. in the right places to make it fit in the hand better. So I do like I do like the grip on it. I'm not a big fan of the rest of the experience, but yeah, that's that's totally the case. And I like that. For instance, I shot with the uh, 35 mil lens that everybody in our Slack channel has purchased recently. Like seriously. <laughs> First time I've ever got to put my hands on it, by the way, and I know now why everybody. There's bought something one. in the water. Our listeners have impeccable taste. I've said this time and time again on the show. They clearly do, though. It is a fabulous lens. Like that. There's. I have no complaints on the on the lens front, and the um, the other Sony lenses that I've been playing with are also. You know, the the, the glass is clearly not the problem. I think that uh, in my case, I would want something that has um, that evokes the same kind of shooting experience that a Fujifilm camera does, um, but built by Sony. And I think they're capable of doing that, right? I mean, I, I, I almost wonder if it's just a matter of them not thinking that there's enough people um, who, who would be served by that. Um, but now that Fujifilm especially is, is seeing a lot of success in the market, maybe they're going to look at that and, and revisit it and say, maybe we can do a, almost like Nikon did the DF. Right. You know, like something that's clearly aimed at a different ergonomic experience and just have it a, a parallel body, right? Like it's not like they have to replace any of the existing A7 bodies, just do an A7 built differently. I think they're doing that with the uh, the APS-C class ones, like the A6000, which I owned and you switched me from to Fuji. Um, Marius, you are like the little devil <laughs> yeah, on absolutely. our shoulder. You're uh, just sitting right there all the time. But um, the A6300 got beefier. Then the A6500 right. beefier still. So I think they're kind of going there. It's just that they haven't released another A7 in a while. Yeah, but I'm curious because Marius keeps saying, you keep saying the, the rest of the experience is not there. And we've talked about this many, many times before, but I just can't quite put my finger on what exactly do you mean by that? Because if it's not the grip, if it's not the lenses, what is it? It's the dials, the menus, the software, the think, general operation of the camera. What is it? I think some of it is down to the software, and I think some of it is down to the fact that 
on on some level whenever i'm operating it it feels very much like i'm operating a computer and i'm i'm okay with that like it's not you know we operate computers every day and it's fine but there's it it doesn't feel warm or inviting on any level it feels like a high precision it's like talking to siri right. and expecting to have a meaningful conversation like siri will answer you faultlessly you know well, maybe I should say yeah, now that's instead. a stretch too. But, but. Yeah, like theoretically, <laughs> it's it's the idea that you know it's you'll always get an answer. Uh, it may not be the answer you expect, but it's not it's not a conversation on the same level as if you were talking to another person, and that's that's what bothers me. It's like a they focus so much on getting the technical aspects perfect, which they really have. Like they're they're ahead of everyone else in terms of raw specifications, and the sensor is like ridiculous. Like I played with files from the A7 Mark II. Uh, and the A7R Mark II especially, which is just absurd. Um, but if it's a camera that I'm not inspired to take out and shoot with, then on some level it's still not, like, it's not there. It's not something that I would buy unless I, I had to, right? Like, it, there are other solutions that will get me that, but with a better shooting experience. I'd rather shoot with a DSLR than go full-frame Sony, by far. And that's fair. You know, Absolutely I, fair. So I think that most of our needs at this table would be fixed with an iPhone. And that's the, the junky part. Like this trip, I've used my iPhone more than I've used my camera. Not a word of a lie. I don't know why. Maybe it's probably more the live, the live photo thing, but. It's also that the iPhone is probably the best travel camera. In the world. Right. In the By world, yeah. regardless. So, so good. So, so good. That's, you know, this you're using it in exactly the context where it shines best. But so actually, Ever since I got a camera in 2015, like the A6000, I, I pretty much stopped using my iPhone as my camera. Like it's just become like a little memory camera. It's to send my girlfriend, hey, should we get this for groceries? Or like, look at the price of this thing. Um, but everything else, I, I take the trouble to bring a, like a uh, proper camera is the wrong word because the iPhone is a proper camera now, but a, maybe a dedicated camera. So I've, I've kind of gotten spoiled. It's gone the other way for me. Yeah, my experience has been pretty similar to that. I barely ever use my phone to take pictures. I don't know, wh- I don't know why, really, because it's a very, very good camera. But And you don't have to import anything, right? Like, it's, you have the editing tools right there. You have Darkroom, you have R&I, you have Lightroom. But I, so, I don't know. It's, uh, I, got, I got spoiled by the quality after a little while. And, I, and also, it's just a different experience. And I, yeah, I think it's... Be- me personally, it's because I enjoy it more. Yeah. I enjoy using a camera because I like to use a camera. It's, Framing it's, up, yeah. looking through the EVF or an OVF. Yeah. yeah. All fair points. All fair points. I still love. For me, the reason why is because I like throwing my photos into like a day one or a, a journal. I probably have. Anyhow, yeah. I and the tedious process of importing into a computer, editing, you know, editing the photo, throwing it into software, transferring it over it takes forever. So. In the end, that's the my the reason why I stick to the iPhone, but and the GPS. Got to add, like that's another thing that's been fantastic for, especially for this trip. I just take photos, and then at the end of the whole day, I just go back and import those all into day one, and it switches it, you know, to the time I shot the photo, where I shot the photo, and and off I go. So we were just talking about this earlier, like whether or not it's valuable to have GPS on a camera, because there's like all the apps have the geotagging thing, and some of them handle it better than others. Let's just, <laughs> <charitably>, <laughs> let's just charitably leave it at that. 
Um, but the reality is that like, uh, so I did my weekend with the- um, Leica's got that with the TL. They they put the GPS into the Visoflex. Into the EVF. Into the EVF. You spent like 700 bucks to add GPS to the camera anyway. But but it's, it's <laughs> but pretty- But 700 bucks in Leica dollars. Yeah, that's like not so free. free. <laughs> Wait, is it being sold again though? It's like dog ears. It's it's really it's like a hundred bucks. It's divided by seven. Because <laughs> that couldn't that EVF brick the latest the TL two. Ah, you just buy another. <laughs> that's true. That's, <laughs> true. that's true. That's funny. Uh, it's like the first thing I said to Oprah or when we're standing there in Henry's or downtown camera. Hey, there's the Leica Q. You got to buy three of them. One for your yeah, foot. Sure. And they had it in titanium too, which which is just like the best version of it. Yeah, it's not beautiful. So I totally cut Marius off there. Sorry about that. I said, I, I called it Chrome when I first walked in and talked to the guy about it the other day. And he's like, it's titanium. <laughs> How dare you? And I was like, sorry. I didn't mean to insult the... Man. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yes, yes. But so I'm, I'm sitting here fondling a very different camera. Um, which is the uh, the EOS three, the Canon EOS three that oh, yeah. Alvaro brought from Spain for us to shoot with, and this is a film camera, and for me, like it it's it hits me right in the feels because it's a different concept of a film camera that you were expecting, right? Well, so my first like serious camera was the five D Mark II, so this feels like a five D Mark II, but then one step back to when I did shoot some film before, but I used to like point and shoot crappy film. Right. Where you know I was winding them like it was it was old school it was not and this thing does it automatically so today I shot a roll of um, what was it Ilford HP five HP five yeah so and I have no idea what I got which is crazy right like we we've been shooting digital for so long now there's nothing to chimp on here there's nothing to to do and I I had 36, 36 shots and four of them all were, a burst yeah right. <laughs> four of them were gone when I when I uh, you know, started using the camera. So it was it was like going back to a different era in the best possible way. Um, for me, it felt very familiar because again, the ergonomics of the camera, like in my hand, it feels like the 5D does, um, but it's a film camera. And so it was it was a different approach to shooting and it was delightful. I, I'm really looking forward to see what I, to seeing what I got because that's obviously the, the point, but uh, yeah. it, I almost appreciate that there's a gap, right? That there's no immediate feedback because it means that I can't psych myself out and say, oh, that's not a shot worth taking or that's not a concept worth exploring because I'm looking at it and my first impression is like, eh, like, I don't know. It might be great. So I, I may as well keep, like, it's just a different, it's a different way of, um, of shooting. And I actually, I try to replicate it a little bit on, um, on mirrorless cameras. Um, I always keep my screen on the EM1, for instance, flipped around so that I just have the EVF and I don't do any chimping because I don't, I don't want to. I like that. I that little bit of disconnect I think is important in in the moment, right? Because there's a difference between your editing brain and your shooting brain. Absolutely. And when one of them is overlapping on the other, bad things happen. So as much as I can keep those two separate when shooting digitally, which is difficult, but you know, these days it's it's possible and I think that's that's worth trying. I don't know, J Josh, you should really spend some time with this because it's it's interesting. It's like a totally different world. Yeah, I would struggle so much, guys. I just ha hammer down on the burst button and hope and pray one of those five <laughs> or six actually work. That's a very expensive habit. Yeah, especially in film. So did you find yourself indeed like slowing down, you know, stopping, thinking, having, you know? I don't know that I was shooting different, like I I don't shoot bursts to begin with. I'm I'm a pretty deliberate shooter as is. So I don't know if like the the 
broad attitude changed, but it was just definitely that the fact that it's impossible for me to check my work, right. I think is an important element. And even the fact that I'm stuck with black and white in this case, like it's not just Acros. And if I decide in Lightroom that, oh, maybe I didn't want Acros, maybe I wanted like too bad. You got Acros. Yep, you got Acros. In this case, <laughs> in HP this case 5, it's, which it's is a HP5, lovely film, by the way. You know, like that that in itself, you know, we. this is why people love cameras like the X100 series, because they have certain limitations that they impose upon you, and you just yeah. work with them, right? That that's your creative palette, and you run with it. Yeah, I think you were, you were totally right when you said that your editing brain and your shooting brain are completely different. And the, the whole instant gratification thing that digital photography made possible, I think it has spoiled us to a certain extent because now we demand to see results immediately. And, and if you can't, at the beginning, it throws you off a little bit. But once you get used to it, you realize that this is not the moment to get distracted with that. You're shooting, you should be focused on shooting because it's photography is all about capturing the moment that you're experiencing right now. And in the time that it takes you to review your pictures, you might have wasted a great photo opportunity. And that doesn't happen when you just don't have that possibility. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Uh, as for forcing you to be more deliberate in your shooting experience, I think the EOS 3 is perhaps the wrong camera to 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 discuss that. Because it's actually pretty sophisticated. Because this is arguably the most sophisticated and modern camera, film camera that Canon has ever made. Uh, it's not the highest end. There's the EOS 1, which was uh, even a bit, a bit higher end because it was better built, mostly made entirely out of metal. But this one had the high autofocus, which was revolutionary at the time. And I don't really understand why Canon discontinued it and they haven't pursued it, maybe maybe there's some reliability issues. And this is not um, this is not IAF as in like modern mirrorless style where it's tracking the eye on the screen. It's it's got a technology in the viewfinder that looks at your eyeball to tell where in the frame you're looking and it activates that focus point. Right. Which is wild and it sounds like crazy super Whoa, hyper. It's phenomenal. But this is nineteen ninety seven. That's how AAF should work for all cameras. I mean if they manage to perfect that Technology, because I'm, I'm the wrong person to judge that because I wear glasses. I, I can't wear contact lenses. I have to wear glasses. And, and it's just less reliable when you wear glasses. So I, I haven't been able to get it to work right for me, but I've read about many people who said they, that it, the system worked great for them. You, you get a calibrator. You have to train it to recognize your own eye. But once you do, it should work fairly well. I mean, this has... What is it like? Twenty focusing points. I think forty-nine. Forty-nine. So it's a, it's a pretty decent so. focusing system, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not what we're used to with mirrorless cameras. You don't have like five hundred focusing points covering ninety-five percent of the frame. These are mostly cluttered, uh, you know, towards the center of the frame. Isn't forty-nine more than the five D Mark IV? I'm no. kidding, but anyway, like <laughs> Mark IV, no, but, but Mark II for sure. Right. And and, wrong, and the six D for sure. Right. Anyway, sorry to cut you. So this is, uh, the point was that this is a pretty sophisticated camera and it allows you to shoot as you would with a digital one. The only part of the experience that you don't quite have is that you can review your images. It changes the recording medium, which actually, this, this makes it a much better bridge camera for people who are trying to explore film photography, but they started with 
digital. Sure. Because they're not giving up a lot of the conveniences of, sure. you know, they've got autofocus, they've got um, the same lenses in the case. Like if you're a Canon shooter, then this is, you're using the same. And I've, I've said this a few times, but as a teaching tool, like as a learning tool, this is a fantastic um, opportunity because you can find these on eBay for a hundred bucks. And this is a camera that used to be a very high-end professional camera. This used to cost, I don't know, I'm just saying off the top of my head, but this was a very expensive camera back in the day. And now you can have it for a hundred bucks. So if you want to learn photography, don't get caught in the, the gear uh, train. You just, you need a tool that has all the controls that you need to control your photography. That's, this, this camera has all of them and then some. So that's all you need to get to get started and to get learning. So I, I, I would definitely recommend it to those of you who want to get into photography but can't quite afford a good digital camera. You can buy a high-end professional film camera for pennies on the dollar today. So and it's satisfying. It's satisfying in a way that's hard to explain if you're not if you're not doing it. But there's there's something about having those different kinds of limitations and about shooting the way that you have to when you've got 36 frames. And also, if you're shooting black and white film, like like you did today, Marius, yeah. it's very easy to develop at home. And if you have the right tools or you know a place where you can just pay for an hour, you use a laboratory for an hour, you can do the entire process yourself. You can develop the film yourself. You can either scan it digitally yourself or optically print it yourself. And that is the most satisfying experience I've ever had in ever since I started photography. Well, you're the, making it. It's yeah, like you make the entire thing. You take the image, you develop it, you print it, and in the, at the end of the day, you take the picture home, and you've done every single step of the way. That is a great experience, and I recommend everyone to explore it if, if they can, because it's, it's very, very rewarding. I had a quick question about um, film stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, so I know that uh, on a film camera, you like your 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 role of film is basically setting your ISO. Of course, right? Um, and then you can set it on the camera as well. That you're saying like, hey, I'm shooting at 400. Um, but I've I also know that people shoot at a different, basically ISO. Yes. It's it's not ISO in film terms, is it? It's ASA. A ASA. There we go. But it's the same concept. Yeah. Um, but what is the reason for shooting, let's say if you had 400 films, shooting at 800? Well, there are several reasons to do that, and they are different. Different in intention and different in developing conditions. And then let me explain that. First of all, film, it's, film by itself doesn't have a, an ASA. Film can be shot at and developed at any speed that you want. The rated speed that comes in, uh, in the box it's just because the manufacturer has determined that the canonical look for that film is when you shoot it at, and process it at that speed. So uh, processing times are a function of the speed of the film. And if you have, let's say, a given film stock takes 20 minutes to develop, then there's the whole pushing and pulling of the film that you can do, which means you're trying to make it go faster than it that it was meant to. So you get a different look. You get typically, you get stronger grain, you get faded colors, you get, but that's a look that many people like. 
And sometimes it's a necessity because sometimes you don't have a film fast enough with the lighting conditions that you're shooting with. So you just have to push it and pray that it comes out okay. That's, that's a very valid thing that you can do. And, and many people do it for aesthetic reasons or many people do it out of necessity, but it's, it's okay. You can do it. You just have to know how many stops you've pushed it because your processing times will change accordingly. And then there's a different way to do it, which is what I like to do personally. Some color films particularly, they love light. It's very difficult to overexpose a film stock to the point where you will ruin the highlights. So, for example, if you're shooting Porsche 400, but if you instead of ASA 400, if you shoot it at ISO or ASA 200, you're giving it twice the amount of light. And in my experience, that looks even better because film loves light. And even if, you, if your exposure is a bit off, because you're giving it that extra amount of light, your results are going to be that much better in the end. And then you have to process it normally as if you had shot it at the rated box speed. That's different. It's just playing with the latitude that film has. That gives, it gives you just so much dynamic range in the highlights. The shadows are a different story. The shadows with film are complicated. Every underexposed areas on your images, they are going to come out super grainy. So that's why people say, meter for the shadows and then let the highlights fall wherever they may, because the highlights will be okay. You really don't need to worry about them, especially with modern film, which is just great. So yeah, you have those two different reasons why you would shoot a film at a different speed. Uh, and they are different in, in intention and they are different in, in results. And for us digital folks, that's why a lot of the preset packs, the popular ones, have pushed and pulled versions of a preset that's what that's what that's referring to is the effect of pushing and pulling that particular film stock and the various ways that that changes the canonical look of the film right so as long as you start if you start changing the processing times for the film when you develop the film the, the amount of time that it stays in the liquid that's when you're pushing and pulling the film but if you just shoot it at a higher or lower iso but then process it normally that's a different thing it is one o'clock in the morning to ask me to think. Speaking of like, holy, we are troopers here. We found a way to get it in, but it is late. Unless you guys are always night owls, but my bedtime is nine thirty generally. So I also, I think I think this is only fair because the number of times that we've asked Alvaro to stay up this late to record True. with us. True. How late do you stay up? Well, we usually record starting at midnight my time or so. Mm. So okay. yeah, that is true. Good point. Okay, fair. So, fair. sorry, Josh, like, but we got to yeah. take one for the team yep. here. This is fair. This I will is shut Alvaro's up. every day. <laughs> point conceded. Yes, so. I did say. I did tell you guys it. It is a better time zone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. We've it just is. That. How about your like the way your photography might change or what you might explore next? Because because you said your needs are changing, right? Like yeah, my needs are changing. What I miss the most is having a camera that I can have with me at all times every day, and for that it would have to be at or around the 35 millimeter focal length equivalent in full frame terminology. I mean, when you were saying that earlier, I didn't want to interrupt, um, but like you have. X many lenses for your yes. for your full frame right now. Uh, if if you feel that thirty five mil uh, like that the FOV basically yes. uh, is the best for you, couldn't you just sell all of that and simplify first, and then expand as needed to to get like a a twenty three f one point four or something APS-C size? I mean, it's still kind of big. You're right, but if maybe if you got a twenty three f two, then that's 
Nice and compact. That's an interesting option, but I think it would be still more complicated than than I would want it to be. For me, the two realistic choices are to either get a compact 35 millimeter lens for my existing camera, which in this case would be the, either the Zoni size 35 mm f2.8, which is a great lens, or the new, re, the newly released Samyang, which is just pretty much identical to is the size. Is it manual? So no, no, it's oh. autofocus. Oh, I didn't know that. They just released it, and it's just as tiny, just as good. Uh, the only difference is that because size uses their T-star coatings on all of their lenses, the flare performance is supposed to be a lot better. But but the Samyang lens is, I don't know, 300 bucks cheaper, and it, it has received very, very good reviews. So that is an option. Uh, but that presents some problems uh, on its own, because I need a second camera body. It, like in case something happens? Like no, because... Camera? As part of the reviews that I write, mm. sometimes I am required to take a picture of my camera, and if I don't have another one, that's pretty hard to do. It's with photographer I've been borrowing phone. cameras from friends for the past few months. Yes, exactly. But that's not exactly ideal. You could do a secondhand RX1. I could. Because that's could. In the same general price. Like it's, yeah. you know, you can here you can find them for twelve hundred ish Canadian. And so the, first gen. the choices would be to either get. The 35-28 for the A7 II, but that doesn't solve all, all of my problems. Or like you were saying, an RX1, but I think at that point I would prefer to go with the Fuji X100F because it's just a more, more modern camera. And it's the responsive. AF is much better, the performance is up there. And you have an OVF. And I have an OVF, which I have recently learned is lots of fun to shoot with. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaning that way right now because it gives me everything that I need. It, it expands my shooting envelope. It gives me a camera that I can take with me every day that is fun to shoot with, which is something that I'm actually missing. And yeah, I think I'm going to go that way because the even though getting a 35-8 would be cheaper, uh, I would still be left wanting, I think. So that's pretty much where I plan to go gear-wise next. As for... Where do I intend to take my photography next? Well, I love street photography and I haven't been doing much of it lately because I don't have <laughs> the proper equipment to do it. I've tried it with the 3514. It's just <laughs> not the lens to do it because you get in trouble. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's pretty much it. I, I want to get out on the street. I want to enjoy shooting life as it happens, which is something I, I enjoyed quite a bit when I was getting started in this whole photography thing. And... I want to get back to it, and I've I've shot quite a bit. I've shot quite a bit of street photography here in Toronto, and it's it's just lots of fun, and I, I miss it a lot. So I want to definitely keep exploring that, and hopefully getting better at it too. What about you guys, Marius? How about you? I want to be in and out of my comfort zone. I've discovered recently that if you if you are always focused on pushing outside of it, then it's very easy to go a little too far and not have fun anymore, and not want to take photos anymore. So I think what I'm trying to do now is find a balance between shooting the kind of stuff that I know how to do and that I enjoy, and then also finding opportunities to do stuff that I'm not familiar with and that, not that I don't enjoy, but I don't, I don't know if I enjoy yet. So for instance, street photography, which is something that's very new to me. I don't shoot street photography, but I'd like to. I'd like to try. I'd like to know definitively if it's something that I enjoy or not. Um, but I can do that alongside shooting things like wildlife, which I know and enjoy and 
I just think that that's the balance that I'm trying to strike right now. And um, previously, I, I just, it's really easy to tell, right? Because you, you don't shoot as much. And then you're like, wait a minute, I've overcompensated somewhere. Something is, right. the balance is wrong, right? So I'm just trying to stay within the, the happy place where I am learning new things, but I'm also still tempted to take my camera with me everywhere always because I enjoy it genuinely. That is a very happy place to Thomas asked the question, he has to answer it himself. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, actually, I, I, uh, I felt a little, bit, a little bit deflated by one of the, the past Candid episodes where you were talking about light and artificial lighting and learning to control it. And I was like, before that, I was like, I like a minimal kit. I like just taking one or two lenses with me and then just shooting whatever I can. And that's how I like photography. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and then I think it was you, Marius, who said something like, yeah, but that's an excuse. And I was like, what? <laughs> that boy Marius. I heard, I heard a statement somewhere that yeah. said, anybody who says I'm a natural light shooter just means they've never actually tried artificial lighting. Yeah. It is true, though. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's that's the thing I've been trying out this year. Just I just have, like, a, I bought a speed light. I now have uh, a diffuser. And I'm just going to start playing with that and seeing how it can affect my product photography. Uh, do more portraits at home and I'd also really like to I'd like to kind of just get like a my own little set of uh, poses for people for because because like, <laughs> like a little badly badly drawn stick figures but no because I, I, like, I know that I've done a couple of portrait sessions and they've been fun and they've been they felt very natural and and you kind of ease into them as as you get into an hour let's say um, I, I kind of just, I, I feel like I need to know certain angles, certain crucial angles where you know people are very likely to look good and just start from there. Right. Um, I feel like I need to build up my repertoire there. I feel like I have like maybe six things to start with, but I, I need more than that, uh, like a standing, like a sitting. So I think for me, uh, lighting and then just getting, like learning people's flattering angles and, and, and getting to know that. That's my next well, step. Well, the good news is that there are Tons of great material to go yeah. by. So yeah, I, I saw this article about like all the. I'll, I'll try and give you guys the link, but uh, about like where to crop for the body. Right. Like right. right. So like That's cropping right. at the elbow or like unflattering crops for yes. an image. Because if you have forty-two megapixels on some things or twenty-four, you can still do a bad job with cropping, even though it's really sharp. Yeah, and the whole posing thing is very interesting because if you are going to take ten different poses, the idea is that they should flow naturally from one to the next. And that way, the model gets to relax more easily, and you have a flow that you can just get lost into, and everything becomes a lot easier. And when you're presenting it as a set of images, there's continuity. Of course. I applaud your lighting thing, because without a doubt, like it is, it, I wouldn't say like it's changed my life, but it's, it was really awesome when I, got, when I got my little artificial lighting set up. And, um, and I would like to add to it, if anything, or improve it. But anyhow, no. When it comes to my whole shooting thing, where am I going? Like, without a doubt, it's as I said before. I I have a new subject matter, so um, I I still enjoy the product photography thing. But I love like from an artistic standpoint, like you know, there's there's way you know you show like a product and how it provides utility to its owner, or you show it in use or whatever. I, I don't find, this sounds, I don't know, maybe arrogant, but I don't find that challenging. It, so you go out and someone's reading a book and you show them shooting, you shoot them reading a book. It's not that hard. How do you make that book look artistic? Or how do you make 
a pencil look artistic in a, in a photo. Like that's kind of what I find it, you know, interesting and challenging. And I think that's where I want to go like pro- product wise, but without a doubt, like infant baby photography, obviously like you go to Pinterest and you'll find things for, for days to look at and Instagram for days to look at. And uh, so I'd love to develop whatever my own style when it comes to that. Now I'm not going to be the dad who, just puts endless photos of his own child on Instagram. Like literally, you say that we're, we're a long yes, way. you will. <laughs> yeah, we're a yes, fairly long way will. away, and I this is the first I've ever spoken about it live or like publicly. So um, you know, friends knew, but so I think I'll be able to hold off. But if not, then you guys can keep me keep me accountable. But that's what I, without a doubt, where I want to go. I don't care anymore about I, travel photography. Is fun, but I haven't shot as many photos this week as I as I had hoped. Um, but those little newborn sessions I've had a chance to do in the past, those are a lot of fun. I want to get better at them. And the good news is I'll be able to practice quite frequently coming shortly. So, yeah, that's where, we're, where I'm going. Gear-wise, <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. That's the best answer. Nobody knows. That's the kind of worms. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a hot clue. The after dark part, part of the show here now, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't even have eyes to make the thinking noise. Damn it. Did you think of a title for the episode? Um, the one that Josh listens to, I think, was my favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that was my favorite oh, candidate so far. Yeah. Uh, you just let, it, let the worm out. You just let the, the cat out of the hat or whatever. But you the said word it's is. after show. I'm... <laughs> you, know, you know what I was super excited for tonight? Like, I'm going to take an Uber home or back to the hotel. I've never done that before. Oh, wow. I'm going to hit a button on my phone. There's going to be a guy outside. Don't know his name or maybe her, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're going to be there to pick me up and drive me, and they're not going to say a word to me the whole way. I'm no, not... they will. They oh, are they nice. Will. They will. Yeah. Well, they may oh, or may not. They very may or nice. may not. Yeah. Oh, depends on okay. But, then I've read a, a few too many reviews that say that they don't talk. But that's good. I'm but glad you can that... talk to them. Okay. If you talk to them, they have to answer you because They're they want a nice too. review. Oh, okay. You have so, the power. Right. It's all in my hands. I don't have to like swipe a credit card. I can just put it all on the... Yep. And Marius invited me. So now I have like a $20 promo, which yeah. means Hopefully that I can... Hopefully get a free ride. Yeah, I, you it do. said it was like totally. $13 from here back to the hotel. That's enough for a tip. I, I, woo! So yeah, that's what I'm City excited life. for. How, exactly. Oh, there you go. I love that he's excited about the Uber because I just came back from Thunder Bay and I chopped wood for the first time with an axe, <laughs> which I'm sure is just like super mundane for you. Like, yeah, okay, you washed the dish. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm proud of you, man. Chopped wood. Did you sharpen the knife or the, the axe yourself? It was actually a very, very dull axe. It was extremely right, dull. Right, yeah. Uh, builds character. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just don't do, use one of those things that comes in one of those knife block things. Don't use one of those rods that'll take <laughs> days to sharpen an axe. You need to like grind an axe, yeah, right? Yeah, like you need to like get the thing that spins and yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw some sparks all over the place. <laughs> get her done. <laughs> Boy, I sound like a redneck. <laughs> just get her done. <laughs> Jeez, I'm the guy from the backwater country, it feels like. You know, I, I, I come here, I download an app in like, Two seconds, and at home it takes five minutes. Like, oh yeah, no, you and your mental and man. I mean, we well, do don't get me started. But at the end of the day, it, it is—it's a treat to come into these cities and, and do that. And Uber Eats, I learned about that this week. That works very well. We have that in Madrid too. Yes. Wow, they just—they just pick up the pick pick up the food and like, and then bike it to you. What? You we also eat? have Deliveroo, which is the same concept. Fedora, we don't have that. You don't have Fedora? Just eat. Yeah. So, just so, eat like, literally, do you have to get off the couch everywhere. anymore? 
Is there Uber for like cleaning your house too? No. I'm sure there is. Well, the, the, it's called Madrid, an iMessage to somebody. In Madrid, we have an app that you can search whatever you want. Babysitters, people that Unreal. Clean, people that ironing. Yeah, we have the same. It's You don't have to leave your couch if you don't want to. <laughs> you should eat. Why would you want to leave your somebody couch? Somebody delivers Ever. your couch why? first. Photography, <laughs> that's why. Photog- <laughs> you can indoor photography. You can take pictures of, pictures of your feet all but the time. How long? <laughs> <laughs> Those work pretty well as stock photos, yeah, you know? <laughs> they do. Just throw like an iPad in there somewhere and you're good to go. I've done a couple of those. Just change socks based on the season. <laughs> yeah, or don't wear any socks, but just make sure you clip your toenails. Yeah. <laughs> this is my new Unsplash series. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be funny. Anyway, oh, here. Oh, too far. Can you hey, imagine how much damage we could do with a YouTube channel? <laughs> too much. <laughs> <laughs>